This is the murderer you know. Welcome to episode 45? I think so. Damn, girlfriend. Damn, <laughs> Gina. And of the murderer you know. Do, 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 do. And this is another one where I have no idea what's going on. And another one. I decided that's just the way of the future. <laughs> you think I'm better? If I'm like completely clueless, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not quantifying <laughs> anything at all. Okay. I, I just, it was enjoyable for me to be the only one in the know. <laughs> well, let's go. Give me the title. The title. Tell I don't us know what's going on. I don't know what the title is. That's okay. too much preparation you're requesting there. Okay. Oh, wait. All I right. can't say I don't prepare anything. No. I know you spend hours preparing <laughs> for these podcasts, but the title probably comes as a revelation after we've talked mm -hmm. for two hours about yes. these people. That's a very good way to put it. Yes. It is a revelation, sort a lightning like strike. <laughs> Let's hope not. Not quite that <laughs> intense. So, so this week, we're just going to jump right in. Jump no right backstory, in. no setup. We're jumping in. <laughs> January 6th, 2017. Well, at least I was a little older at this time than, than last week's story. It's true, because this was only <laughs> six you... years ago. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Horrifying. Yes. Horrifying. Okay. Okay. On January 6th, 2017, a 14-year-old girl arrived home from school to absolute chaos in her family home. Mm. She shared the home with her parents, who had been married for about 15 years, as well as with her younger brother. When the 14-year-old arrived home from school and let herself into her house around 3.30 p.m., she heard her father yelling, call 911, call an ambulance from somewhere upstairs. So she grabbed the phone and she ran upstairs to see what was going on. Initially, she told the dispatcher, quote, my dad, I just came home from school and he's in the tub and he's hurt. The dispatcher responded by asking if anyone else was home with her dad, to which the 14-year-old responded, My mom's here. I'm just getting her up now. She was sleeping, I think. As she said this to the dispatcher, she was making her way sort of out of the bathroom, down the hall to the master bedroom. She started walking toward her mom, who was in bed. This she... is not sounding good. No, it's not. When she entered her mom's room, she approached her mom and touched her on the left arm, almost to shake her or just right. nudge her a little bit to wake her up. Yeah. But as soon as she touched her mom, she knew something was wrong. And she quickly exclaimed, come fast, please. There's something seriously wrong with my mom. Hmm. The dispatcher asked what was wrong, to which the young girl replied, quote, I don't know. There's a pool of blood next to her. I do not know what happened. My dad's in the bathtub, like yelling. So at this point, she runs upstairs with the phone. Mm -hmm. She finds her father in the bathtub, who I'm assuming doesn't say anything coherent. And then she goes to find her mother to wake her up to say dad's in the bathtub mm -hmm. and finds her mother in a pool of blood. 
Yes. Good recap. So the dispatcher asked the girl where her mom was bleeding from. And the little girl said that she was bleeding from her head and that there was a red spot on the side of her head on the left. And that right next to her, it looked like there was a pool of blood. The dispatcher seems to be asking some rather, I don't know, technical questions of this hysterical child. I don't know if she was hysterical. (laughs) You know, you find your mother, your father in the bathtub, your mother unconscious in a pool of blood. I'm guessing hysterical, but maybe I just tend to overreact. Maybe you would be hysterical. Don't. (laughs) Maybe this 14 year old is much more calm and with it than you. You don't know. True, true. Well, and speaking of technical, the next question that the dispatcher asked was if there was a gun (laughs) nearby. I guess because the little girl mentioned that there was a red spot on the side of her head and a bunch of blood. At this point, the young girl sort of looked around. She didn't touch or move much, but she did sort of see there was a comforter kind of covering part of her mom, which she moved slightly. She was pretty careful. Like I said, she was careful enough that she didn't get any blood on her. And after a few seconds, she responded saying, um, yes, she found a gun. Wow. The young girl then told the dispatcher that she was going to go back down the hall to the bathroom to check on her dad. When she arrived back in the bathroom, she told the dispatcher, quote, he's sitting in the bathtub, sitting in a bathtub of blood. He's holding onto his belly. Um, and there's four gunshots into the, uh, uh, into the bathroom wall. My mom looks like she's dead. Oh my di- God. So he's in the bathtub, which is full of blood, which she apparently didn't notice the first go round. I'm not sure if she noticed it or not, but this is the first she, this is the first that it's mentioned to the dispatcher in the documents that I have. So it's hard to be sure. The dispatcher instructed the girl to ask her dad what happened because he was conscious in some capacity. And she asked her dad and her dad just replied, oh my God, help me, please. Yeah, I mean, he's got four bullet wounds in his stomach. He's not going to be like, oh, yeah, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> he's going to be screaming in agony and begging for help, in my mind. Yeah. Police officers soon arrived at the home, and one officer entered the master bedroom and saw the girl's mother lying on the bed. He checked her for a pulse, but found none. And since it was very clear that the woman was deceased, officers did not touch any of the other items near her body or in the room. Mm -hmm. This same officer then moved to the bathroom where he found the young girl's father lying in a bloody bathtub with a small puncture wound to the abdomen. And he called for medical assistance. One puncture wound. Yeah, the four gunshots were in the wall. Oh, right, right, right. Not into the father. She didn't quantify how many gunshots were into the father. (laughs) Okay, so he had a puncture wound in his abdomen. Yes. When the rescue technician arrived, he checked the woman for a pulse again. He noted that her left wrist was readily available, so he did not have to move her to do this. During this time, another officer entered the master bedroom and stationed himself in the room to ensure that the victim was not touched and that the scene was otherwise not disturbed until CSI came to document the scene as it was. Got it. 
the woman's husband was taken to the hospital and treated for a gunshot wound to his lower left abdomen, an injury to his left leg, and a laceration between the fingers on his left hand. Hmm. So, complete insanity, this poor little girl, she comes home to all of this. But the officers are presented with, for the stories we've covered at least, sort of a unique situation, which is that they have someone who presumably survived whatever happened. And obviously they want to talk with him and see if they can figure out what happened. Good plan. Yes, they have a living witness as opposed to, well, last week's there was a living witness. She just- That's true. That is true. Didn't seem to remember anything. Well, it's funny you say that because (laughs) this guy doesn't seem to remember much either. I mean, we'll get into it. I'm not sure how much they were hoping that he was going to provide some critical insight into the events that took place before his daughter arrived home from school. But they did talk to him and they talked to him early on. On January 9th, he was first interviewed by a detective. Wait, remind us again, the 6th? It happened on the 6th. So three days later, they talked to him? Yes. I mean, it wasn't like he was in a coma hooked up to life support. Yeah, I'm not sure why they waited three days. Very strange. This is one of those cases where, and I know we've talked about the different kinds of documents that we try to use, at least in passing, but this is a case where what I have is an opinion from the Court of Appeals. Oh, Whoever was eventually charged for whatever happened here filed an appeal and a lot of the details of the case are in the opinion so that the court can really thoroughly explain why they did or did not approve any part of the appeal. But we're way before the appeal. Oh, yeah. We haven't even gotten a suspect yet. Correct. Or an arrest. Correct. They talked to the husband and they sort of just learned surface level things at first. The husband told the detective that he had been out of work for two years because he suffered from ulcerative colitis. Do you know what that is? Do you think everyone knows what that is? Well, yeah, I mean, more or less, I think it's you have stomach issues and I feel bad and I don't know, maybe you have to go to the bathroom all the time. I think people will go with the flow, so to speak. (laughs) I don't think we need to go into detail. Um, This is not a medical show. That's true. (laughs) So he was at home suffering from ulcerative colitis and his wife worked as a paralegal. Uh On the morning of January 6th, his wife decided she was going to work from home and he had taken their son to school. Later in the day after he returned, he and his wife looked at some financial documents together, which we're going to come back to, and they also had lunch. Hmm. After lunch, while his wife got back to work at her desk in the upstairs bedroom near his bathroom, he decided he would take a soak in the tub to ease some of the discomfort associated with his ulcerative colitis. Hmm. While he's in the bath, he's sort of soaking and trying to relax. He washed his hair, apparently. And at one point in time, he dunked his head backward under the water to wash the shampoo out of his hair when he got a leg cramp. It's so hard for me to take this story seriously. I'm trying to take this seriously. (laughs) And I'm probably going to take that out. Somebody is dead. What do you mean you're trying to take it it seriously? It's hard hard for me to take his story seriously. Well, you're probably right. But then again, we all know what the man cold is like. So (laughs) maybe through that lens. Yeah, this guy's been sick for, for two years, but 
I'm with you. So listen, he dunks his head backward under the water to wash the shampoo out of his hair when at that exact moment he gets a horrifying, horrible, debilitating leg cramp. (laughs) He had soap in his eyes, he couldn't see and was just yelling from the pain of the cramp when at that moment, you know, just perfect timing, his ulcerative colitis pain, quote, kicked in like a boom. And he flung his head back and hit his head on the tub or something in agony. He then said he thought he must have passed out for a bit. Then he sort of woke up again and was yelling for help. But he was sort of delusional because of the pain and the confusion and the soap and the leg cramp. And he said he sort of had this feeling that there was someone in the house. He wasn't even sure. Maybe he heard voices. Maybe he saw a shadow. It was just a feeling maybe, Um, Maybe. but he, he sort of thought there was someone there. And then the next thing he knew, he woke up in the hospital. So he doesn't remember being awake and seeing his daughter and just someone was in the house and the rest is a blur. And then he's in the hospital. Yes. You know, if I am ever in a similar situation, I'm going to use that same defense. (laughs) I don't remember anything. I just woke up in the hospital. I just had soap in my eyes. (laughs) I'm being so bad. Next, the detective asked him if anyone told him what happened. You woke up in the hospital. Did anyone tell you what was going on? Did your family kind of loop you in to the situation? And he said that his family told him that he had been shot and that his wife had passed away. Passed away. Yes. So the detective. (laughs) Correct. So the detective then said, well, actually, your wife was shot. And the husband responded by saying, why? Who did it? Mm. And the detective said, well, who would do something like that to your wife? Did she have any enemies? Was anything going on? And the husband said, I don't know. There's jerks everywhere. That's a quote, by the way. Well, you can't argue with that. There are jerks everywhere. Most of them, thankfully, are not armed to the teeth and just come into people's houses and randomly start shooting them in the middle of the day. But I mean, what kind of person shoots someone who has soap in their eyes and (laughs) ulcerative colitis and a leg cramp? That's fucked up. Am I right? Okay, so basically, he thinks maybe there was an intruder of some sort. He can't be sure, but... He doesn't see any reason that his wife would have done this. It's the most logical explanation that he can come up with. Even though he can't think of a reason why someone would have done this to them. Oh, so he doesn't think his wife did it. He doesn't, at least not initially. No, okay. Because it would require her walking to the bathroom, shooting five times, I guess, since there are four bullet holes in the wall. Yeah, And then with the very last bullet going back to bed and killing herself. Do you know for a fact that's how many bullets a gun has? Six, Um, exactly? A lot of them only have six. Okay, that's good to know. But yeah, I mean, basically, he didn't remember much from the time surrounding the attacks. It seems like maybe he's thinking home invasion. But the questions from the officer didn't stop there. Because, of course, what I haven't gotten into yet is they're already investigating right of course so they already have 
some evidence from the house, the medical exam and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And they have that information in the back of their mind when they're questioning this guy already. Mm -hmm. And things pretty quickly get a little odd in the interview room. And prior to that, honestly, at the family home, we're going to go back and talk about evidence, medical exams, and those sorts of things. Okay. And then we're going to come back to the rest of this interesting interview. What have they found? Now that we have some idea of maybe what might have taken place, home invasion, something like that, let's talk a little bit about the physical evidence. Because immediately to me, it doesn't seem like the detectives and other law enforcement professionals were really planning on going on that journey with him of home invasion. Well, something must have convinced them that wasn't it. Like, for example, was the gun his? You gonna find out. (laughs) Now. I'm waiting. The physical evidence in the home. The wife was found laying on her right side on the bed in the master bedroom. Her right arm was beneath her head and extended straight out across the bed, sort of in front of her. And her upper left arm was along her side with her lower left arm folded down toward the bed across her abdomen. So kind of hanging down in front of her stomach. Right. Her left hand was partially under her side, and when she was moved, it was found to be holding a pistol. Hmm. Her left hand was covered in blood, which was also smeared across her forearm. I'm just trying to picture this. There was also blood on her palm under the grip of the pistol. Okay. Her left temple exhibited a gunshot wound, and there was a large pool of blood on the bed beneath her. An iPad was propped on the bed in front of her face. Digital forensics were used to determine that the mother had been looking at a calendar of her children's athletic practices, which were scheduled for that very day, emails, a child's geometry assignment on Blackboard.com, and a novel that she had been reading. Mm -hmm. Now in the bathroom, four defects or abnormalities were found on the bathroom wall above the tub, including a projectile hole, a small hole near the tub with a red stain consistent with blood and some sort of tissue, and two holes on the outside edge of the tub. There was also a bullet hole in the bottom of the tub. I guess I should say projectile hole. Right. Can't be assuming. Right. You know what they say when you assume. It's true. But if I was watching this on Law and Order, (laughs) I would already be saying, I I can't piece this together. (laughs) (laughs) Very insightful. (laughs) Because let's say he's the perpetrator. Uh Uh-huh. So he'd have to shoot her first. Okay. Or he's sitting in the bathroom shooting the place up and she's just reading a novel in the bedroom. So if he shoots her first, then he has to shoot himself and the bathtub. Then he goes back and shoves the, I don't know. I'm not following. Okay. Well, I know what happened, so I'm not going to weigh in. You're not going to clue me in. (laughs) No. But why are you thinking that he had to go back and put the gun under her? Oh, I know why you're thinking that. Because that's where the gun was found. Okay. Okay. And it 
it makes it look like, yeah, in the middle of reading this novel, she just thought, oh, to hell with this. I can't live with a guy with ulceritis colitis anymore. I'm going to end it right here, right now. And too bad about the kids' soccer practice. Okay. <laughs> so, still in the bathroom. Remember yes. that the husband was found in the bath where he had been soaking. So the tub was full of bloody water. Right. Which they drained. That's how they found the bullet hole down there. Hmm. Guess what else they found down there? I don't even want to know. <laughs> A pistol. Another, another gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sorry. No, we... I jumped oh, ahead of you after asking you to guess. <laughs> oh, we got two guns. Mm hmm. Well, now that, now the scenario is falling into place. Now okay. I can see my Law & Order episode playing out. <laughs> okay. Did he not think that they would find this gun in the bathtub? I literally don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but what I want to say is, yes. this guy is an idiot. Like so many of the people that we've talked about. And what I really love... I don't know how much I want to give away now, but I guess I'll just give it all away. I mean, we know at this point, right? Don't we know at this point or no? Are we well, still I mean, unsure? Do we know? It's pretty. Yeah, now I'm seeing it. He goes in, he shoots his wife. He shoves her hand with the pistol under her abdomen. He goes back to the bathtub, fills up the bathtub, starts shooting around, including himself in the abdomen. But he didn't think they'd find the gun and that they can, does he realize they can actually match bullets to specific guns? I'm this not guy, sure. This guy needed to watch a lot more Law & Order episodes. <laughs> he would have known all that. They Maybe. would have said, yes, the gun in the bedroom killed the wife, but this other gun filled the bathroom full of holes. Well, an open gun safe was found in the husband's bedroom. Uh-huh. A different room than his wife's bedroom, which belonged to him and had been used to house two Glock handguns. Aha. Uh -huh. In the living room, bankruptcy documents were found. Mm. After all of the evidence was collected from the home, the mother's body was taken for an autopsy. The M.E. stated that the mother's cause of death was a contact gunshot wound to the left temple. She further explained that such a wound means that the firearm was in direct contact with the skin when fired. Mm -hmm. And while the woman did not die instantly from the gunshot, it did render her unconscious. She was found to have transferred or smeared bloodstain patterns that were inconsistent with suicide. Well, yeah, I mean, if you shoot yourself in the head, you don't really have time to, like, then move your arm and shove the gun under your stomach. Yeah, and even if she fell that way, yeah, basically all of the blood evidence is inconsistent. Like, let's say she was standing above the bed and fell over on top of her with her arm underneath her onto her side. Right. Even the spatter is not consistent with someone shooting themselves in the head because she should have had droplets of blood or mist-like deposits on the hand that fired the gun. But there was no indication of any droplets. Instead, she had this significant amount of blood that had been smeared all over her. 
Right. I don't know if they can still check for gunshot residue when somebody shoots a gun. They have that on their hands. It's one of the mm-hmm. things they always test. You, you know, know actually, they didn't mention in the document I read if either of them had been tested for gunshot residue on their hands. Well, hers might have been covered with blood, so... Yeah, because her know. left her left hand, which she had the gun in, she had smeared blood on the palmer surface, which is the fancy way of saying her palm. Was the woman left-handed? No, she was not. Yes, you don't Good shoot job. yourself. Very astute, I mean, you don't Mom. shoot yourself with your left hand if you're right-handed. You don't. And if she had shot herself with that hand, she would not have, she should not, they would not have expected her to have the smeared blood that she had on her palmer surface, Mm -hmm. as well as blood on the outsides of her fingers. Right. Because essentially with gravity at play, there should have been blood on the gun from dripping down it was all over her hand all over her fingers as if it had dripped and gone under but it missed the gun entirely somehow further the emmy said that her injuries were such that she would not have been able to move on her own and wouldn't have had any seizures yet the emmy didn't see any other way that this particular blood staining could have occurred if she didn't move after she fell to the bed It was also the team's experience that in the vast majority of cases, self-inflicted gunshot wounds are inflicted using the victim's dominant hand. And ultimately, the suicide theory didn't hold much water because the woman had no known prior medical history of depression or suicidal ideation. Not to say that these sort of things can't come out of seemingly nowhere and be surprising, but that was listed on part of the report. Right. Now, the trauma surgeon at the hospital where the husband was taken detailed his wounds. She noted that he had a penetrating injury to his left torso that also caused injury to his small bowels and his colon. That's not going to help his colitis being shot in the bowels. That's a good point. She said the wound was a through and through with a hole in the front and the back, which went straight through the middle of his abdomen, which is... A more dangerous location for a wound to the abdomen than with shots sort of to the side, which is mostly fat. So it was a potentially risky wound. She said that there were no powder burns from the gun around the wound to the abdomen, but also that she wouldn't expect this to occur if the gun had been fired in water because the water would dissipate the force of the bullet and dissipate the powder as it comes out of the bullet. Could they tell how far away the shot was fired from? Was it fired underwater? I'm not sure if they could determine whether or not the gun had been fired underwater, but I guess maybe they didn't feel they needed to. They said they thought the gun had likely been fired from as far as three feet away. Huh. 18 inches to three feet was what they said. Oh, well, then you could easily shoot yourself from 18 inches. Yes, that's true. Okay. She also noticed the laceration between two of his fingers on his left hand, which she said could have been caused by a bullet passing between his fingers. Hmm. But more significantly, she noticed an injury to his left leg, which included powder burns, which likely meant the gun was very close to his leg when fired. And she removed a bullet fragment from his leg or foot, which I thought was weird. (laughs) Why don't we know which? But maybe somewhere in the paper trail they knew which. 
yeah, associated I mean, with this injury. I would be very worried about a medical examiner who doesn't know the difference between a person's <laughs> leg or foot. So, yes. She also stated that the husband was responsive after surgery, but didn't answer any questions about the event and seemed very distant about it. And he never really talked about his family or anything else. Or about his wife being killed. Right. And where the kids were during this time. I'm not sure. I guess relative or something. Yeah, I think they were with a relative. It wasn't feel- explicitly stated. I always think these stories are just so horrific. Not only do you lose your parent, your mom, but then, am I jumping ahead? You may end up losing both parents and have the horrible realization that your father didn't care enough about you not to murder your mother. Knowing that you were going to be the one coming home from school. Right. At 3.30. He said he was well aware of the schedule and that his daughter would be home around 3.30. Well, he needed a witness, I guess. Didn't care. (gasps) Did not care. Yeah. Sad. So back to the interview with the husband on January 9th, reminder. Right. Because like I said, they did get much deeper into this family and things started to get... Get? I don't know. Just a little... Weird. Peculiar. (laughs) Okay. For example, there was more to the story of his wife being the only one working in the home as he struggled with pain from ulcerative colitis. And the more was that things at home were a bit dysfunctional and that the family was having financial problems. Well, yeah, you said you mentioned bankruptcy papers on the mm -hmm. table. Since the husband hadn't been well enough to work, the wife was the only person bringing money in for the family, but she had also taken over basically every single detail of managing the household, including the finances. Hmm. Since she had taken over this task, it hadn't been going very well, and the family found themselves in dire straits, even to the point that his wife had filed for bankruptcy. Well, this might not be her fault. There just might not be enough money to pay all the bills. Well, it might not be that it was her fault. Yeah, it might not be that she's a poor money manager. I mean, if you're only making X. Mm -hmm. And your bills are 2x, you could be a financial genius and you're not going to balance the books. Well, he does not agree with you. Ah, well, what can I say? But I agree with you. Yes. (laughs) That seems pretty logical. They might not have had enough money for the lifestyle they were living and for only one income. Right. The thing that was really upsetting for him, though, was not necessarily the bankruptcy. It was the fact that she had filed for bankruptcy without telling him, and he had only recently found out. Well, he doesn't really seem to be a big contributor to the family, mm-hmm. so maybe she just thought, mm-hmm. and maybe, why bother? Yeah, maybe he was not... Someone who was easy to talk to, someone she felt that if she said, look, we have to file for bankruptcy, that he'd pitch a fit, scream Mm. and yell. Mm. Mm. You keep that in your mind. You don't need to pin it up anywhere. Oh, I got to pin it up. Just think about how you've (laughs) qualified conversations with him to potentially go. Right. Because we're going to come back to that during the trial. 
<laughs> so he was pretty unhappy about all of this. And he indicated that he told her she should tell him ahead of time about these sorts of things. And after this, she gave him a copy of all of the relevant documents. And I just, this guy, although he hadn't had time to go through all of them, because I don't know what the fuck he is doing with his time. I don't know. Sitting in the bathtub, apparently. Maybe I shouldn't judge. Don't judge. Don't hate. They did sit down several times and go over some of the details together and some of the questions that he had. But he was still not satisfied because he thought she wasn't doing a good job in basically anything, but filing for bankruptcy, no exception. He thought that she undervalued their home. And he also explained to the detective that they weren't truly bankrupt, but rather they were illiquid and that the proper solution would have been for them to reduce their expenses and downsize to a smaller home. But even though this was what his wife needed to do, she was reluctant to follow through. You have to tighten the belt. Yeah, he said that she was, I mean, this is all him. (laughs) This is his opinion. But he said that she was stubborn in some ways. And also more than once during the interview, he said that she could be stupid. So she wasn't (laughs) able to understand this, this concept that you're explaining, mom. Wow. What a, what a prince of a fellow. His wife is dead. And he says, she's just stupid. Mm -hmm. He admitted to the officer that they did sleep in separate rooms Because remember the evidence at the house kind of seemed to indicate that. Yeah. But he also said this was only because of his ulcerative colitis and not because they had any marital issues. But also (laughs) probably because she was stupid. That probably had something to do with it. Yeah, I don't like sleeping in the same room with stupid people. It wears off on you. Like radiation (laughs) permeates through your skull while you're sleeping. I agree. (laughs) Okay, so they're talking to this guy and they're thinking. Motherfucker. That's what they're thinking. (laughs) Well, they're thinking, you want to talk about stupid? Look in the mirror. How are you going to explain that pistol in the bathtub? Literally. Did they ask him about it? Yes. Dude, where did the pistol come? Oh, the home invader after he shot him five times the pistol into the tub right he didn't try to come up with any explanation for why there was a pistol in the bottom of the tub oh he didn't no they asked him about it they asked him all about it and he just the the other thing is both these pistols belong to him right it's not like this home invader brought their own guns Yes, correct. So is he saying, oh, I leave the safe open all the time. And this guy broke in, ran up to my bedroom where he knew I kept my guns, yanked them out and started, <laughs> you know, the shootout at the OK Corral. Well, but I of course, wanted... I was unconscious anyway. Since <laughs> I, I had soap in my eyes. <laughs> oh. Well, let's talk about the pistols then. I, I was I wanted to talk about divorce, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> So let's I think talk. The pistols are more exciting than divorce. <laughs> let's talk about the pistols. Okay. Because basically to answer your question, he could not come up with any sort of explanation for anything that had happened. It was basically just deny, deny, deny till you die. So guns come up. We know why. We know why the guns come up because they found the guns and they're his. <laughs> they haven't told him this yet. So they're asking him, do you have guns? 
When's the last time you had your gun? When's the last time you did something with your gun? So they say, when's the last time you you looked at those pistols of yours? And he said he was unsure when he last looked at them or took them out of the safe. But then this pretty quickly transitioned to him thinking he might have had one with him in the car when he took his kid to school. And then that he might have taken it upstairs with him after he got home and that if he did he would have put it back in the gun safe and he said yeah and he said he kept the keys to the safe on his person at all times but the safe could also be opened with a combination lock which his wife knew the combination to and no explanation of why he felt the need to arm himself to drive his child to school to be honest with you i don't think of that as that weird oh Okay. <laughs> I I know a lot of people who are always armed. Okay. Well, inside, outside, driving their kid to school, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But this seemed to be a one-off for him. Like, yeah, I keep my guns locked up all the time, but then I just suddenly felt the need to take it out and drive my kid to school. Or he's just, I don't know, trying to play he's, dumb. Yeah. Clutching at straws. Yeah. I truly don't know. I truly don't know. There was some discussion about whether his wife ever accessed the safe or used the guns. But instead of answering, the husband simply responded, did she shoot somebody? So he's literally just like avoiding, denying, changing the subject, squirrel, shiny thing. (laughs) Is there like another body in the backyard that the police didn't notice? Did she shoot somebody? But this guy just goes <laughs> beyond. I mean, dumb doesn't even begin to describe him. And the questioning, of course, then turned to some of the physical evidence, specifically the gun found at the bottom of the bloody <laughs> bathwater that you wanted to know about. Yes. So they asked whether he heard anything while he was in the bathtub. And he said, I don't know. I don't know. Then they asked him, how a gun could have gotten into the bathtub with him. And he said, there wouldn't have been a gun in the bathtub with me. (laughs) So the detective said, well, actually, there was a gun in the bathtub with you. And he said, huh, how'd it get there? I don't know. (laughs) So then he asked what kind of gun was in the bath with him. And the detective said, it was a Glock. It was your Glock. So the husband said, mine? He then asked the detective, how did my wife die? And when he was told again that she had been shot, he asked with what? And the detective said, with a Glock. Your other Glock. (laughs) And all this guy could manage was, quote, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I I agree with him on that. None of it makes any sense. But still. But still. He said he loved his wife. When questioned, he said he did not kill her. He would have had no reason to kill her. And he did not shoot himself. Despite the fact they were filing for bankruptcy and he thought she was stupid. (laughs) There was no reason to file for divorce. I had a, a couple little notes on the divorce. Let's see. Oh, this actually, yeah, and just, this actually is is new news. So they were, she was filing, he was filing. Well, 
Was this another surprise, kind of like the bankruptcy filing? I... She had mentioned to some friends and family members that she was going to file for divorce. Whether or not that's something she ever told her husband is not necessarily something that we could know since she's unfortunately no longer alive. They didn't seem to be super happy. They were having these financial problems. They were sleeping in separate rooms, even though he said that was only because of his medical condition. He said that his wife had never outright said that she wanted a divorce, but it did kind of cross his mind when she was doing these weird things without talking to him, like filing for bankruptcy. Why was she doing that? Why wasn't she looping him in? He said that he'd been having conversations with his mom and she cautioned him that his wife was going to grab his stuff and leave. So his stuff. <laughs> so far, all we know that he has his, is a gun his guns. and two blocks. <laughs> He's got so much. <laughs> so I think the idea, he's claiming that she never said anything about divorce to him, but it's kind of swirling around in his mind that she's acting differently and that maybe something is going on. And the the detective even asked him, they're trying to get at, they're trying to get at motive, right? Because it's very clear to me that they think this guy did it. And so one of the things they asked him- What else would you think if there's a murder and the two guns involved belong to the survivor- And one of them is in the bathtub with him. I mean, it's kind of a stretch to assume anybody else in the universe would be involved. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, unless his 14-year-old daughter came home, her dad was taking a bath, she rushes into his gun safe and starts shooting everybody. I mean, look, stranger things have happened. They have, they have. Okay, so they're narrowing in on Doofwad as the... (laughs) Criminal mastermind. Uh, criminal <laughs> person who committed a crime. I don't know. Mastermind. Where do these people come <laughs> up with these things? Always goes back to the guy who killed his mother-in-law with an axe because he claimed he thought she was a raccoon. Did he really think that anybody was going to believe that? I guess. <laughs> Well, they didn't, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, yes, they're sort of, they're narrowing in on this guy and they're looking for motive. And so they're asking him these things about the physical evidence, about the financial situation. And they asked him if he was angry that his wife might be seeking a divorce. And he said, no, I was just disappointed. I wasn't angry. I thought he claimed that his wife wasn't divorcing him. Yeah, they said, considering it. Oh. Might. Possibly. Yeah. Because he said he had noticed that she was kind of being weird. Mm, Weird. Okay. That's a lot coming from him, that she was acting weird. And yeah, I mean, the detective, you know, when this guy said he had no reason to shoot his wife and he he wouldn't, like, why would he? Kind of (laughs) aghast. The detective responded by telling him people who get in dire straits, they sometimes take desperate measures. Right. So the husband returned to the issue of the bankruptcy and his wife's incompetence. That's what he decided to drill back into. Yeah. To prove his innocence. It's all her fault, buddy. Going on and on about 
She wasn't even bankrupt. She wasn't even insolvent. She was just illiquid and that you just have to sell your house and pay off your debts, but you have to be smart and that some people just aren't smart and some (laughs) people just don't listen. And he said that he wasn't angry at her. They didn't fight about the bankruptcy. And he was just frustrated because he knew, quote, she wasn't going to say a whole lot and she was just going to be playing her games. Ah, Yeah, he said, in fact, they barely discussed the bankruptcy on the 6th because she said everything was just fine and dandy and he shouldn't worry about it. So Mm. no fight, no anger, no divorce, no bankruptcy conversation. Everything was peachy. Sounds all very logical to me. I believe him. I believe him. (laughs) I don't know who believed him, but I will say that an arrest wasn't made Yes. In this crime until February 15th, 2019. Two years later? Yep. Oh my yep. God. And over two years, investigators painstakingly pieced all of these different nuances together, recorded phone conversations, emails, Facebook messages. So they were basically after this guy. Yes. They were just making it airtight. Yes. It really made me think of the case we covered where your coworker killed his wife. Yeah, that took years too. That was, I think, episode 15 and 16. Uh, yeah, 15 and 16. Yeah, way back, way back then. Because I guess... I mean, as outlandish as it almost seems to even say, I guess yeah. she could have been shot by someone else with her husband's gun while oh. he was in the back. Like, so this guy has two guns and he's just blazing away in two different <laughs> directions and then and takes the time to put the one gun in her hand and under her tummy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, there's... As usual, there's still, you know, a little bit to cover and we won't get into it tonight. Right. I think this is probably a pretty good place to stop. We still have the trial and some of the other evidence collected over the next two years. Two years. I was going to say almost two years, but no, just a little over two years. Wow. And... We already kind of know that this guy filed an appeal. We probably won't get into it too much, but we already know it was denied Denied. (laughs) (laughs) for good reason, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the final arrest and the trial. In the meantime, if you guys want to reach out, you can. We are Murderer You Know Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can always email us, murdereryouknow at gmail.com. You can always leave us a rating or a review if you're enjoying the show. If you're not enjoying the show, slide into our DMs and tell us how we can make it better, okay? Because we work really hard and we're sorry that we said we didn't prepare We meticulously (laughs) prepare. I don't even sleep. It's all for y'all. Okay. She she doesn't (laughs) sleep. She's very meticulous. I'm very, you know, seat of the pants, but I'm just, I'm just here for the mom point of view. (laughs) All right. Well, mom, anything to add? 
How are you nope. feeling to be absolutely clueless? I'm I'm excited. Okay. Excited to be clueless. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, talk to you later. Until next time. Doody, 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 doody.